Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you have listened to our past podcast conversations. And if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcast, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and at any online book retailer you prefer. Check it out today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand, both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you're looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Peter Bregman is recognized as the number one executive coach in the world by leading global coaches. Peter Bregman coaches C-level executives in many of the world's premier organizations. Peter is CEO of Bregman Partners, an executive coaching company that helps successful people become exceptional leaders and stellar human beings. He is also the award-winning best-selling author and contributor of 18 books, including most recently, Leading with Emotional Courage, how to have hard conversations, create accountability, and inspire action on your most important work. And I have to believe that there are plenty of bravery stories there. His book, 18 Minutes, Find Your Focus, Master Distraction, and Get the Right Things Done, was a Wall Street Journal bestseller. And he is also the author of Four Seconds, All the Time You Need to Replace Counterproductive Habits with Ones That Really Work. I've read that book. I love it. It's a you know what I would call an easy read. The chapters are a little bit briefer, and each of the stories that he tells are fantastic. Peter is also the host of the Bregman Leadership Podcast with over 1.5 million downloads, and he's a regular contributor to the Harvard Business Review. Hello, Peter. Hi. So nice to be with you. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being with us today. I gave everybody somewhat of a brief overview of your background. Would love to hear a little bit more about how you're interacting with the market today. You know, so I uh, thank you. Um, I most of my work is is coaching. Most of the time that I spend uh, with clients is working with CEOs and leadership teams uh, and helping them to be exceptional leaders and stellar human beings. Um, both feel really important to me, and uh, and in my view, it turns out they're they uh, integrate and they're, you know, if, if you're a stellar human being, you end up becoming a much stronger and better leader. Well, I was just going to say, when I think about a stellar human being, and I love that phraseology, I have to believe, and I could be wrong, that, you know, looking for opportunities to be braver or doing things that require bravery, it plays a role in that description. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I think, you know, what I think would be useful for this conversation is to define bravery, right? Because uh, bravery means different things to different people. And actually, you know, Ed, it's sort of interesting. I don't know that we had that conversation uh, before this podcast. So I'm curious, and I'll share my definition, but I'm curious to get your definition of bravery. 
Well, I'd love to give you my definition of bravery, and I will. However, I just want to point out that in uh, about four weeks, we're going to be hosting a one-year anniversary podcast where a former guest is going to be interviewing me. And in that podcast, I'm going to share what I've learned over the last year from the 75 to 85 people that I've talked to about bravery in the workplace. And so let me give you a taste of that. You know, one of the things that I believe needs to exist for people to be brave in the workplace is what we call presence. And that means that when you're you're going to have a conversation with somebody in a way that you're unsure or you feel requires bravery, you have to be very present in the moment. You have to be focused. You have to feel that this is the right thing to do. You have to get all other distractions out of your mind and you have to be present. You have to be a good listener. You have to be a good conversationalist. If you're also thinking about 50 other things you have to do or you're overly worried about the outcome, you might not be ready at that moment. So in a brief sense, Peter, you know, one of the characteristics that I think that needs to exist is this need to be present. So I'm going to I'm going to push you here. You know, I I might be falling into this trap of the fact that I run a I have a podcast, so I sort of find conversation. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to push back on you for a second and then I promise you I will share my definition and we'll talk about bravery, which is you you didn't define bravery though. What you defined is how to be brave. So I'm curious what is in your view like what is bravery? Like not necessarily how do we bring ourselves to be brave, but what is what is bravery? How do you define like what is a what does it mean to be brave in a moment? Like I love what? I love in, I love interviewing a podcaster, Peter. So right. Sorry. Uh, no, it's great, so great. So to me, to be brave, it means that the need to say something exceeds the need not to say something. So there are things that need to be said, and I believe everybody experiences a need to have a conversation that they're avoiding or it's a need to do something that they are not doing, that they're avoiding. And at some point, the need to do it exceeds the need not to do it. Up to that point, it had been the opposite. The need not to do it exceeded the need to do it. So at some point, I believe the scales tip, and you now need to say something that needs to be said or do something that needs to be done. I may still be avoiding your question. I'm not sure, but- Well, actually, you just landed on it, So, so sort of. So- so what you're saying here, let me let me reinterpret what you're saying, which is which is when I'm brave, I am doing something or saying something that I feel is important to say that, and you haven't said this, but I think it goes along with what you're saying, that might be scary to me. So like, so so you know, I, I could do something, I could eat breakfast, which is something that needs to be done, and it doesn't take a lot of bravery. Or, you know, I could ask my kids, what time is it? That doesn't take a lot of bravery. But if I do something that pushes the envelope for them, that might be a little scary for me. If I say to my kids, um, I really want to talk about um, your, I want to talk about that test that you got an 85 in, and I think you could have gotten a 95 in. You know, we could we could argue whether that's good parenting or bad parenting, but that might take some bravery because my kid might respond poorly to that. Or it might be going to my boss or going to my colleague, going to my colleague and saying, I think the way you going to a colleague, especially and saying, or a boss and saying, I think you handled that meeting poorly. I think, you know, like you shut down other people, you're creating an environment that's not psychologically safe. So I'm going to say something that 
is going to um, be hard for me, right? That might be hard for me. And that requires bravery. So bravery, in effect, is incredibly personal to the person who's being brave. So would you agree with that? I would agree with that. And I think it brings to mind, Peter, uh, another aspect of this definition, which is it's also a conversation or an action that I might not be able to predict the outcome. So I need to say something to you that is harder to say and uh, is breaking the boundaries of psychological safety a little bit. And uh, part of the challenge I'm feeling, because I do believe for many folks, bravery is a feeling, is that I can't predict the outcome. I don't know if you're gonna say, Ed, thank you so much for sharing that information with me. I really appreciate it. Or you've got to be kidding. Who are you to come in here and talk to me this way, right? So, you know, it also requires you to, you know, as you're saying, break the boundaries or step out of the box to a new place that you haven't been before. Because most people, most people have not been trained to be braver. When you went to high school, when you went to uh, college, when you went to graduate school, there wasn't a class called, you know, how to be brave. And then we're thrown into leadership roles and we're told, okay, now go talk to that person. They're not doing a great job. And you're like, what? You know, no one's, no one's trained me on, you know, how to do this effectively. And so it's, it's really putting yourself out there in ways that may be new and fresh. Great. So I'm going to, I want, so I agree with you. And I actually think sometimes, you know, bravery is you might get a predictable response. You have someone who gets angry all the time and you tell them that you are, that, that you're going to create a boundary around their being angry. Like it's okay for you to yell, but not at me. And we're going to have this conversation another time. And you can get a predictable response that still requires you to be brave because they might just yell at you and you're like, okay, you're yelling. And that was scary. But here, but I want to change this. I want to change this whole conversation. So I want to change this whole conversation around bravery because I think there's something we fundamentally misunderstand about bravery. And, and I think that, um, uh, that understanding it helps us to become much more brave. And I'm, you know, this is related to the book that I wrote called Leading with Emotional Courage. So I want you and anyone listening here to think about a difficult conversation that you're not having. Okay, a difficult conversation you have decided not to have or you've chosen not to have or you really want to have and you don't even feel like you've chosen not to have it. You plan to have it and yet you've procrastinated on it. Okay, I'm not going to make you say it out loud, Ed, uh, but do you do you have that in mind? How many do you, how many do you need, Peter? Yeah. <laughs> I've, got, anyway. I've got numerous, but yeah, I've, I've yeah. got one. I've okay, got great. one that and, uh, and I've been avoiding. And if you're listening to this podcast, you know, uh, please actually let's play this game together. So think of a difficult conversation you're not having. Now, um, I'm going to ask you four questions, and I bet I know the answers. One, um, do you do you know enough in order to have the conversation? Do you know enough in order to have the conversation? I'm going to bet the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Okay. Are you skilled enough to have the conversation? Yes. Okay. Have you had time? Do you have you had time in this entire period when you were thinking about having the conversation to to now? Have you had time to have the conversation? Yes. And have you had opportunity to have the conversation? Yes. Okay, great. So those are the things we almost always try to solve for. Any training program I've seen in an organization, anytime we try to solve for knowledge, skill, time, or opportunity. You know, and and if we want to sort of solve something, we go for knowledge, skill, time, and opportunity. But the answer is none of that is what gets in the way. Here's what gets in the way to having the conversation. If you have that conversation, you're going to have to feel something. 
You might have to feel their anger. You might have to feel that you've hurt them. You might have to feel shame, their shame, your shame. You might have to feel their defensiveness or your defensiveness. They may come back at you and accuse you of something. And then you might have to feel that. You might have to feel the weird passive aggressiveness that happens when you have a conversation with someone. You you give someone feedback and they say, oh, thank you. And then they don't talk to you for three weeks. Like there's any number of things that you might have to feel. And because you don't want to feel those things, you don't follow through on the actions that you're calling brave. And so if you are willing to feel everything, and this is the underlying premise of my book, and it's the underlying premise of a lot of the coaching that I do, if you are willing to feel everything, shame, defensiveness, anger, frustration, hurt, joy, like whatever it is, if you're willing to feel everything, then you can go and do anything, which means that when I think about bravery, I don't actually think that the origin of brave actions is action. I think the origin of brave action is the willingness to feel, is the courage to feel. And so when I think about bravery, the way I would translate it in a way that allows people to be more brave in their lives is to say, can we increase our emotional courage? Can we increase our willingness to feel? And if I can increase my willingness to feel things, then I will increase my willingness to act. And so ultimately, our goal is to increase the willingness to feel. And by the way, I, I, so I, I ran a, I, I was curious about this idea before I wrote the book. I was curious about this idea. And I wanted to test it. And I wanted to test two things. One is, can you develop it? And two is, if you develop it, does it have an impact on your re- results? Right, Because if you can't develop it, it's a non-starter conversation. And if you can develop it, but it doesn't impact your results, then it's a useless conversation. It's, an, it's, an un, it's a non-valuable conversation. So I want to know that it's an important, that, that we could develop it and, and that we can impact it. And so I created a leadership intensive. A full, we still run it once a year, although we couldn't run it this year because I think it's important to be in person. And obviously, we can't be in person because of the pandemic. But I, I, uh, and this was senior leaders in organizations. I had the secretary treasurer of a country there, the CEO of a multi-billion dollar company, the like CEOs of startups. It was like serious people and, or people who, uh, that's, that's, that's a terrible thing to say. It was, (laughs) it was people who were doing major things in the world, who had big roles in the world. And so already they're brave. So the the question is, can we increase their bravery by increasing their emotional courage? And um, will it have an impact on their results? And they're already having really stellar results. So if it works for them, it's going to work for anybody listening. And we did a four-day intensive uh, leadership program. The number one comment, which obviously makes this a little hard to market, is had I known what we were going to do over the last four days, I would not have come. But that was coupled with a comment that said, and it's the best thing I've ever done in my life. So those two things, and this is an important element of the bravery conversation, those two things always go together. Meaning I I will never have the best experience of my life unless I go to places I never thought I would go beforehand, right? Those things, you're you're never going to change the dynamic of your experience if you don't experience something that you've never experienced before and that maybe you thought you couldn't. Anyway, we did this four-day intensive. That's the number one thing that people said. And then we did nothing for eight months. They went back to their lives. They went back to their families. They went back to their work. And eight months later, with no interim intervention from us, we, we, you know, we didn't coach them. We didn't do, 
we sent them uh, a survey. And we also sent the survey to people around them. So colleagues, you know, board of directors or boss or, or employees, like family, even, you know, a spouse. Um, and we asked them a number of questions. We asked them, you know, is this person uh, more able to, uh, in fact, hold on, I'm going to, I'm actually going to pull up the actual questions. I probably should have done this in preparation. Um, but, but I'll tell you, the questions had to do with both sort of overall leadership effectiveness but also, um, you know, how they act in the context of, of their emotions. So, you know, one of the questions is, does this person stay grounded in the face of, uh, uh, here, here they are, stay grounded in the face of success, failure, or uncertainty? Are they better or worse? And, and it was a seven-point Likert scale. So le- they could have gotten less effective or more effective or much more effective or no change. Um, uh, raising hearts to talk about issues in a way that initiates important conversations, taking risks that could lead to new possibilities, connecting people in a way uh, with people in a way that inspires their commitment, staying grounded in the face of success, failure, or uncertainty, communicating skillfully in the presence of strong emotions, driving the most critical business results and overall leadership effectiveness. So all of these things that you and I would both say uh, reflect bravery in action, right? Having hard to talk about conversations. And um, and in every single case, eight months later with no intervention from us, for every single person we surveyed and every single person who answered the survey, who sometimes didn't know that they went on this training program, everybody had gotten more effective or much more effective in every single one of these dimensions. So the answer is, if you develop your emotional courage, your willingness to feel, First of all, A, you can develop it, and B, when you develop it, it impacts how you show up in the world. So the way I define bravery, and this is a super long answer to a very straightforward question, the way I define bravery is your willingness to feel. And um, you can develop it, and it changes how you show up in the world. Well, I didn't even get a chance to ask you that question, Peter. I asked you it earlier. So thank you for uh, thank you for answering it. I thought that was a brilliant uh, proposition on your part. And I want to go back to the start of your discussion. And, you know, one of the things I think about and I'm not attempting to do self analysis here, but when I think about the conversation I need to have that I am not having, you know, something else I think of and maybe you you included this in your list of reasons is I'm also afraid of the answer. You know, I'm afraid of what that person might say in a very respectful way, right? This would not be a fight of a conversation. This would be a very respectful conversation, but I'm a little bit afraid of what the outcome might be because it will then dictate future events and activities, right? And as long as I avoid it, we're not going down that path. But if I don't avoid it, we're now going down that path and things may be not ideal. So I wanna keep shaping this, right? Which is, so you're afraid of some outcome. So give me an outcome, any outcome that you might be afraid of. And it you could be fake. I mean, make it something you might be a little afraid of, but I don't, you know, we don't have to get personal here, Ed. But but give me an give me a, you know, like give me an outcome. Like you're having a conversation with someone and here's an outcome, and it might uh and I would be afraid of having that outcome. Well, I, you know, and I do want it is personal, but I do want to keep it as real as possible, Peter. So, you know, one outcome I'm afraid of is that the answer is no that uh, what it is that I want to talk about with this person 
they may say, no, I, I, I don't anticipate doing that. And I don't think I would ever do that. So you want someone to do something and, Correct. uh, and, and they're not willing to do it. So Correct. here's my question. Can I clarify quickly? Sure. Part, part of the premise of it's not, not willing to do it. Uh, the person may have some, uh, mental medical precluders that allow them to do it, right? So it's not just about I want to or I don't want to, but there may be some fears or nervousness around that particular topic that might create the belief that they can't do it. Right. And if they um, and if they say no, I'm not willing to go there. I'm not willing to do that. There's probably, is there a um, is there a well, let me put it this way. I'm, I, you know, because I, 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 because uh, we're talking in slightly abstract. But let's just say, for the sake of argument, and I, and I'm thinking about the most um, concrete example. Let's say they're saying no costs you money. That's the most concrete thing I can think of, right? It might cost you other things. It might cost you closeness in the relationship, or it might cost you you know, a relationship with someone else. I don't know, but it's, but let, you know, we could, we could really talk about all three of those things, right? But those are very concrete outcomes. What I would argue is that the thing you're afraid of is not, for example, the loss of the money. It's how you will feel when you lose the money. Meaning that, you know, we can all like for, for most of us, we, you know, can live in, with the amount of money we have, and we can live with a little bit less of the money we have. That's not true for everybody, but for most of us. But we're going to feel something. And so even when it seems like it's a really hard outcome, like a very specific, that's the most concrete outcome I could think of. Uh, if, we had, if we have this conversation and you say no, I might be $1,000 poorer, Right. Um, that's a that's an actual physical, tangible, concrete, negative outcome for me. But in the end, when I actually feel what the impact is of that, it's about a feeling. It's about I might be hurt that we can't have that conversation. I might feel scared for my security. That everything we're afraid of is a feeling, even the concrete losses is the feeling we will have when we have that concrete loss. And again, if I'm willing to feel everything, if I'm willing to feel the, that loss, you know, if I'm willing to feel everything, then I can do anything. Then I can propose to have that conversation. They could say no. I could feel hurt. I could ask someone out on a date. I wouldn't. I'm married. But I could ask someone out on a date and they could reject me and I could feel hurt. But there's, the, it's, you know, everything. I could make an investment that I'm scared to make, but I could be brave and I can make the investment and I could lose the money. And I will feel something. I will feel poorer. I will feel less successful. I will feel scared that I'm not going to have enough, whatever it is. And that's the feeling I'm afraid of that stops me from taking the actions in the world. So to be brave, even with super concrete outcomes, is to be willing to feel everything. We're going to pause in our conversation with Peter Bregman and ask that you join us on our next broadcast, where we will continue to have our conversation with Peter as we talk about 
bravery at work and really listen to Peter as he challenges me on how I'm thinking about bravery in the workplace. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week, and we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on Apple, Google, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at CabotRisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.